No, it's not that one. <laughs> Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you.
and I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So every week, there's a few more, a few more coming back. It's good to see you. See some people here I hadn't seen in a while. It's good to see them. We just, I'm excited about what God's going to do today. Because every time we come together and we begin to lift up his name, he shows up and he does things. Thank you, Jesus. We ought to get excited about that. Hallelujah. So, I want to read you a passage, and uh, this is, you know, we've had all this crazy stuff going on in our country, and uh, I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to talk about it, but I want to remind you what God says is what we need to be paying attention to, not what all the media and all the chaos and the confusion going on. So I want to read to you out of Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem and Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace." For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you, cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and you'll go and you'll pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I have caused you to be carried away captive. God is a God of restoration and hope. And we've got some problems in our country. We've always had problems in our country. You know, every country has problems. You go all the way back to... You know, Israel and Egypt and, you know, all in the garden. I mean, there's been problems all along. That's nothing new. But what are we going to do with it, though? That's the question. Are we going to just let the problems be there? Or are we going to say, no, we're going to trust God to heal us and change us and redeem us? It's an, I thought it was interesting because they're, they're away in captivity. And yet Jeremiah is saying, this is what God's saying to it. Just, you know, where you are, wherever you are. Build and bloom. Wherever you are, multiply and replenish. Wherever you are, be God's people. Just rise up and let God do what he wants to do. And pray for the place where you are. And in his peace, you'll have peace. 
Our country is messed up right now, and we need peace. So our job as God's people is to pray for peace, pray for, for healing and restoration that our country wouldn't be broken like this. So, Lord, this morning, as we come together in your name, we come together to worship you and to exalt you. We want a little respite from all the chaos and all the, the day by day just droning on and on about all the horrors of this country. Lord, I thank you that you created this country and you created it for good, not for evil. You created it for the peace and for the blessing of the entire world. This country was founded on the truth of your word, the principles of your word, Lord. And we have been a nation that has done good. Lord, we ask that you restore us. That you restore life to this nation. And where there's chaos, you bring your peace, Lord. And where there's hate, that you'd bring your love. And where there's destruction, you'd bring serving and kindness and goodness and gentleness. Lord, let your people, those that are called by your name, we ask that you help us to rise up and be your body, Lord. We would be the people you've called us to be. Heal this land, Lord. Forgive our sins. We turn from all that and all the things in us, Lord, that might, might not be right about the way we see one another, whether it's the skin color or the, the length of your hair or the way you dress or how you talk or what you believe politically or spiritually or whatever it might be that causes us to have differences. Help us to look beyond all that and see that in each person... There is a heart that you love so much that you gave everything. There is a person that you love so much that you gave everything. So, Lord, help us to see people the way that you see them so that we won't be distracted by, by all the superficial stuff, but we would see beyond that and know that, that we are all people that you love. We are all people that you, you want to redeem and change, Lord. This morning, as we worship you, as we exalt you, we ask that you come. Fill this place with your spirit. Fill this place with your presence, Lord. Let us experience you in a way that would change us from the inside out. And we'd go out of here refreshed and renewed and restored. And we'd be excited about an opportunity to love someone. Excited about the opportunity to, to look beyond all the mess and the chaos in this country and see the good, Lord, the good in this country. We acknowledge that in you, is all of our help, Lord. We have no power or strength in our own, but in you, Lord, all of this is possible. So we trust you. We lift you up, Lord, and we invite you now. Come, speak to us, touch us, and have your way this morning. Refresh us in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. One. 
lift up your head. I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away everything. Jesus. Lift our faces up. Yes. Lift our 
Hallelujah. And accept his forgiveness, yes. accept his love, and know we are a new creation. So Amen. When you walk out of these doors today, I want you to go out there knowing that all of those chains Thank are you, gone. Jesus. Hallelujah. Just you know that and you walk out there as a proud daughter and son of a king. Thank you, Jesus.
in my soul. Testing my life within your place. Burn away the old. Take away my guilt and shame. Fire find the gold.
Lord, that's our prayer this morning, that you would make us more like you. Open the eyes of our hearts also that we can see you as you are this morning, that we would know who you are. We'd see how much you love, how much you care for us as your children, Lord. And even the ones that don't know you, that have not given themselves to you, you love them. The ones that are contrary to you and all that you stand for, you still love them. Those that are contrary to us as your children, you still love them. Terrorists and bad people, mass murderers, everyone, you love everyone. Your love is unconditional, Lord. Help us to see how great and how awesome your love is. We don't deserve it, and you keep pouring it out on us. I thank you so much, Lord, that you love us. Help us to see you, Lord. Open our eyes so that we see you. We become like you. That we'd be able to love that same kind of love. That we'd look at other people and we'd see someone that you love so much that you gave everything for them. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Yes. We need more of you, Lord. More of you. Come, cleanse our hearts, Lord. Take away all the... All the stuff in our hearts that's just not right. It's not like it ought to be, Lord. Cleanse our hearts and change us. Create a clean heart within us, Lord. Renew a right spirit within us that we would know you and walk with you. See people the way you do, Lord. Hear people the way that you do. Look beyond the surface. See the value in every life, Lord. And I thank you that you are doing that in your people. You are going to do that in this nation, Lord. We're not going to give up. We are going to believe and trust and pray. And, and, and if it requires fasting and dedication on our part, then so be it. But we are committed to trusting you for the healing of this nation, Lord. We are not going to just give up and say we're a horrible nation. This is not a horrible nation. We've done some wrong things. But this is a great nation. You created this nation for good and not for evil. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask that you restore us. Oh, God, we need you. It's through, it's through you and your power only. It's not through our stuff. It's not through the politicians. It's not through laws. It's not through anything that we can do. It's only in your spirit, Lord. And I thank you that you are healing this nation. Your people, those that are called by your name. We humble ourselves. We turn from our lackadaisical ways, Lord. And we ask that you cause us to be burdened and broken for the lost in this country. Cause us to be burdened and broken for, for the laws that we've enacted that, that are contrary to you, Lord. We have called evil good and good evil. We repent from that, Lord. We as your people cry out and ask that you forgive us and cleanse us and heal this land, Lord. Yes, Remove corruption. Let truth come out and let everything be exposed so that justice would be done, Lord, and those who are guilty of breaking laws would be brought to justice. Those who are innocent would be exonerated and it would all be known as truth, not as some political maneuver. Only you can do that, Lord. We trust you. We trust you, Lord. We don't trust the man. We don't trust the politician. We don't trust the news media. We trust you. Help us to rise up and do our part, Lord, to intervene, to intercede on behalf of this nation. We ask that you touch and heal and deliver us, Lord. Protect 
those in our military and law enforcement and firefighters and the, the nurses and doctors and all that help take care of us in so many ways. Lord, we ask that you protect them and bless them. Turn their hearts towards you, Lord. Give them favor. God, those that are contrary to you, I ask that you turn their hearts too, Lord. Extend your great mercy and grace to them. Let them know your love and your mercy, Lord. Even now as we pray, Lord, cause those people who are filled with hate to just sense your peace coming over them, Lord, and to see the air of their way, Lord, to see that they, they can't just keep fomenting hate and ugliness, but they've got to, they've got to trust you and they've got to begin to release that and let it go. Let those chains begin to fall off as Sherry shared, Lord. Chains of hatred and ugliness. Let them just fall away, Lord, that we would begin to see you. Be free in you, Lord, to love. Be free in you, Lord, to forgive. Be free in you to bless and to serve one another. We need you, Lord. More and more of you. Oh, God, I thank you so much that you're here. I thank you that you hear our cries. Thank you you don't turn a deaf ear to us. We don't deserve it, and yet you just keep pouring out your love on us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I know that there are people that are thinking, you know, how does that work? can't see how that works and you don't have to understand it all you won't understand it all you'll never understand it all I just need you to hear this God loves you more than you'll ever know and you'll ever understand he has a plan for you and he wants to heal you and restore you and all the, the things that you've done in your life the things that you look back on and you're ashamed of and you've got guilt and you're and you're thinking, how can I ever be okay in God's eyes because I did that? This is what God says. Your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. He's not remembering me, so why are you? Just trust that his forgiveness is enough. Trust in his forgiveness that it's enough. He wants to heal you of your guilt and shame. He wants to take away all the remorse and regret and, and let you be filled with hope, yes. knowing that he's got a future for you that's good. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you, and they're good. They're not evil. God doesn't want to punish you. He wants to love you and forgive you and bless you. Quit punishing yourself. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his mercy and grace. that's for you just just grab a hold of that and say yes I have received that I receive that in Jesus name amen and amen amen you can be seated thank you worship team okay so for the past few weeks we've been talking about wounds of our soul and uh, and we're continuing in that but I wanted to We've been talking about the different ways that those wounds show up, you know, what they are, how we get them. And uh, today I thought maybe I'd just kind of give you a little bit of an overview so you don't lose sight of what we're shooting for. And, um, you know, sometimes you can get bogged down in too many details and 
as the old saying goes, you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, I just want to make sure that we're, we're understanding why, why this is important and why it's significant. <clears throat> so the original sin was pride and rebellion. That was Satan. And then Adam and Eve basically had the same problem. They, they rebelled against God's commandment. He only really gave them one command that, that they shouldn't do. He, he told them to do a lot of other things, but he, he really only gave them one thing that they shouldn't do. And they listened to the wrong voice, and they were deceived, and they went along with it. And because of that, then they, they got uh, spiritual death, and then that was passed on to everyone since then. So <clears throat> I think... Um, Really, when you get right down to it, it's, that's the, the root of all of our problems is pride and rebellion. And, you know, and, and really, if you think about it, pride is just it's when you're selfish and you're wanting to exalt yourself, you're wanting to promote yourself, you're thinking about yourself. And it might not always be like, you know, look at me and look how great I am. It may, it may express itself in another way. It could actually be just the opposite. You could be saying, look at me, poor me. But what you're really saying is, me, me, me. And anytime you're saying, me, 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 that's a problem. Because God wants us to be thinking about him and others instead of ourselves all the time. So, inside of you is an inner man that's made up of a spirit and a soul. And the spirit was alive when God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Uh, he became a living soul, a living being. And then when, um, when he sinned, God said, when you sin, if you eat that fruit, you're going to die. And he didn't die physically. That was uh, the beginning of a physical death, but he did die spiritually. His spirit, you know, it died. And he wasn't able to to have that same kind of free fellowship with the Father that he had. Because prior to that time, remember, God came down and walked and talked with him in the garden. And after he sinned, what did Adam and Eve do? They went and hid because they were ashamed. They were guilty. They had a guilty conscience. So inside of you is this soul, which is you, your mind, your will, your emotions. It's who you are, and you have a spirit. But if you're not born again, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, your spirit is not alive to God. It's not, I've been saying it's dead, but really it's more like comatose. It's just, it, it's there, but it's not fully alive. It's not awake and alive like it ought to be. But if it was completely dead, then you couldn't ever respond to God, I guess. So in theory, you know, it's sort of a hard thing to see, but let's just say, as a way of explaining it, that your spirit is there, but it's not fully awake and alive to God. And then when you become born again, your spirit becomes alive, and now you can communicate with God. You're able to have that fellowship like Adam and Eve had. And it's not perfect, but it's, uh, it's better. And... The reason we're talking about all this is because we want that fellowship to get better. It's not perfect, but we want it to get better and better and better. We want to mature and grow in that. We want to become closer to the Lord. And the problem is not God. The problem is us. 
just like Adam and Eve. You know, they, they hid from God because of their condition. And God was saying, where are you? You know, come, I want to hang with you just like always. But they were not able to do it because of their condition. And we have the same problem today. Each of us, even when we're born again, we still have some of that old nature in us that's saying, you know, I've got these problems, I'm not worthy. Uh, like Sherry was saying, you know, I'm not worthy. I, I, can't, I can't even look to God because I'm ashamed of who I am or what I've done. And, and God is looking at us and saying, I love you. I want to have this relationship with you. I sent my only son to suffer a cruel death so that we could have this relationship. Can you imagine how offensive that is to, to God the Father when, when we look at ourselves and we say, I'm not worthy, even though he's forgiven us of our sin? When we, when we don't trust his forgiveness, we don't receive it fully, it's, it's basically we're saying, well, you know, your forgiveness isn't really quite good enough to cover me because I was really bad. You, know, you might cover somebody else, but not me. I'd just like to remind you that his forgiveness is enough for every one of us. And we just need to accept that. And it's kind of hard sometimes because we, we remember the things that we did or used to be. And the devil is real good at reminding you of those things. That's what he tries to do all the time is tell you about all your flaws and failures and shortcomings and remind you of all the, the mistakes you've made and all the things you've done that you're ashamed of. He knows just how to push those buttons. You know, you know it's a, don't push my buttons. You know, he likes to push your buttons. Quit pushing my button. Well, he wants to push the button. He knows exactly which ones to push to get you all worked up and to get you in a place where you begin to think the wrong kind of thoughts. And God wants us to, to receive his forgiveness and not be always remembering the past. Now, so when, when Adam and Eve sinned, the thing that I am uh, wanting us to understand is that it kind of changed the whole, the whole course of everything. Because up to that point, everything was going to be given to them freely. Everything was going to be, you know, blessed and good. And all they had to do was just you know, tend the garden, which really just meant, you know, more or less hang out, you know, eat the right fruit and vegetables, whatever. But then after, after they sinned, now it's not just tending the garden. Now it's by the sweat of your brow and work and toil and everything's going to be working against you all the time. And God still wants to bless and give us his favor, but it doesn't come the same way that it did prior to that. It only comes as our relationship with him is restored because all the course of nature was changed. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it's like they took the, took the keys to the planet and just gave them to Satan and said, okay, you know, you got charged now. You're, it's your dominion now. You're in control. Because God had given that dominion to man but when man rebelled, he chose to follow the serpent, Satan. Then he lost the dominion. He lost his ability to rule. And so 
that's when God began to initiate all his plan of re redemption and restoration so that it's all about trying to restore us so that we can, can once again uh, walk in God's favor and blessing and be in that right relationship with him. When you start at the beginning of the Bible and you read all the way through, it's the same story all the way through. It's very uniform and consistent. And God wants to restore all that. And it's not, it's not something that any of us are going to experience fully, fully but we will we'll see it in bits and pieces. We'll see a little bit here. We'll see a little bit there. The more we learn to walk in the, the balance of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit, the more that we begin to trust what He says rather than what everyday life says, then we'll experience it more and more and more. That's called maturity. Learning how to walk all these things out. Because God has a plan for us. It's a good plan. But we have to learn to walk it out by faith. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> the New Testament tells us in, uh, <clears throat> in Corinthians that the things of the Old Testament were given to us as examples so that we could learn from them. They were written down for us. All those stories that we read and all the things that happen, the history of God's people, the history of all the other peoples, all those things are there so that we can read and learn and we can, we can understand how things work in the kingdom, how things work in the spiritual realm. I find it remarkable that uh, so many things are just clear as can be when you read the stories and you read the history then you, when you read in the New Testament it's like oh I see how that works because here's exactly how it worked in real life so we're going to talk about that just briefly this morning but <clears throat> all these things happen to them as examples it says in 1 Corinthians 10 they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is taken, has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So we see all these things in the Old Testament and all those great stories, people that were you know, they were heroes of faith and people that were total flops and failures, people that did the good things, people that did the bad things, people that did both. You know, David was one of the great guys, one of the great characters of the Old Covenant, but uh, he wasn't perfect. I mean, he, he had his problems. And so that's the beauty of the, of the Scripture is that it reveals the truth that we're all people. We're just human beings. We've all got our good points and bad points. We can all fail and flop, and we can all succeed. And the key to it is that we can all be forgiven, and we can be redeemed and restored. Our part is to believe and to repent. So when you realize you've made a mistake, don't just say, oh, well. Say, I repent. I don't want to be like that anymore. Now, in the Old Testament, repentance means to turn away, to turn from towards something else. In the New Testament, repentance really means to have a change of heart 
change of mind. It's a, it's, you are turning away, but you're not just turning away from that thing. You're turning away from that life. You're turning away from everything. And you're saying, I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going to be like this. And so I used to be going this way, and I used to believe all this and do all this, but now I'm, I'm turning this way, and I believe what God says. And I believe what He says about me and my circumstances in life more than I believe what the devil says about me and my circumstances in life. <clears throat> so God wants us to know that there is, a, there is a way of escape. We don't have to just live in failure and doom and gloom for the rest of our lives. He's given us hope, a hope, and we sing about that, a hope that will carry us through. You know, it's, the, it's the hope that we can be changed. It's the hope that we can be redeemed. It's the hope that we can be restored. That's what gives us the ability to walk in, in favor and blessing and joy because we're not walking around all the time focused on our failures and our flaws. We're focused on God's favor and blessing that's available to us. <clears throat> so I want to read you a passage. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Israelites, they, uh, you know, God's chosen people. They, uh, God started dealing with individual men and said, I want, to, I want to have this covenant with you. I want to reveal myself to you. I want you to be my, my son. I'm going to give you all these things. And then he said, I want to, I'm not only just you, but I want your whole family. I want to have a nation of people that walk with me and know me. So God began to reveal that and he, he made this covenant with him and he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm going to bless you like nobody's business. Nobody on the earth is going to going to have seen anything like what I'm going to do for you because you're going to be a special people to me, a special treasure to me. You're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. I'm going to take you as my inheritance and I'm going to give you everything that I have as your inheritance. Pretty good deal. So God was planning all that, working all that, and he knew that we were still going to mess up. You know, God's not surprised by our failures. God's not surprised or shocked by the, the flaws in our lives. He knows us. He knows everything about us. So <clears throat> Israel became a great nation while they were in bondage in Egypt. But they also, they were great in number, but they weren't so great in some of the other aspects because they had become slaves. They started out with God's favor and blessing, and over a period of time, the people began to treat them differently. And they became slaves. And when they were delivered from Egypt, they went out with excitement and enthusiasm. They were free. They went out. They were, they were just thrilled. And then all of a sudden, they started having problems. First thing that happened, they go to the, the Red Sea, and here comes the army of Pharaoh. And, and they totally freak out. I don't like it when people react that way. I've been around people like that, you know, and they're, they're, every time something happens, like, ah, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. You know? And the truth is, we're not all going to die all the time. You know, I mean, you may be fearful, there may be problems, and, you know, but, but God has a plan, and God has a good plan for you. So the children of Israel at the, at the Red Sea, they, they were freaking out, and God said, look, just, you know, stand still and see my salvation. And God delivered them. But the point is, so 
Egypt is a, uh, it's a type of Satan in the Bible. It's a type of worldliness. It's a, it's a way for us to understand that in your life before you were a believer, it's like you were living in Egypt. And when you come to the altar and you say, Lord, I'm giving you control of my life. I ask that you forgive me. Come live in my heart. Be my Lord. Now, it's like you're delivered from Egypt. You're out of bondage. You're going out. You're on your way to the promised land. But then the devil doesn't give up so easy. He doesn't want to just turn you loose. And so he goes after you. Just like Pharaoh and his army went out to the Red Sea to try to bring them back into bondage. That's what the devil does. He wants to bring you back into bondage. And then he doesn't just quit there. You know, it continues. He'll start saying, well, golly, aren't you thirsty? What are you going to do? You're going to die of thirst out here in the desert. There's no water. What are you going to do for food? You know, God's just lied to you. He told you all this is going to be great in this land of milk and honey. Look at this. You're out here in the desert with scorpions and snakes and nothing but rocks and dirt. That's what the devil does. He wants to bring you back into bondage. He wants to tell you all the bad stuff that's going to happen to you. And God the whole time is saying, I've got this wonderful land that's filled with milk and honey. Just follow me. Stay the course. Follow me. And the devil the whole time is saying, don't follow him. He's lying to you. Don't follow him. It's not like that. You're going to starve. You're going you're to die of thirst. There's going to be giants in the land. Oh, there's problems. You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. It's all there. You know, that's what the devil does. It's the same story. He always is telling you the same story. Because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's, he's going to tell you the things that will steal, kill, and destroy you. And we have to learn to not receive that stuff, not believe what he said, but believe what God said. So the journey to the promised land is uh, it's one of those great examples that was given for us. And that is, it is a great example of our life, our walk with the Lord. So when you give your life to the Lord... Great things happen. I mean, you're born again. Your name's written in the book of life and everything's hunky-dory, but it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning place. And so you have to walk with the Lord from that point the rest of your life. It's the, it's the journey. And in that journey, there's going to be challenges. There, there, there will be discouragements along the way. There will be difficulties along the way. And there will be some giants in the land. There'll be some times that you're thirsty, some times that you're hungry, some times that you're... You don't know where you're going to be next or you don't know what's going to happen. But God has a plan. He's always had a plan. It's a good plan. Deuteronomy 7. I'm going to read a bunch of verses to you, but this is it's kind of it all in a nutshell. Deuteronomy 7, 16. Also, now this is God telling, He's telling the people, this is what's going to happen when you get to the promised land. You shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I possess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt and the great trials your, which your eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders, and the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. Do you hear that? He said, so 
you're going to be thinking in your heart, these nations are great. How can I go in there and, and kick them out of this land? And God's saying, you can do it because I am going to do it for you. Come on. Yeah. That's right. And that's the same thing that we're dealing with. When you look at your life and you see the things in your past and you see habits and problems in the areas of your life and you say, man, I've tried and I've tried and I've, I cry and I confess and I repent and I, I want to be different, but I keep doing the same things. You need to understand that God can and will deliver you. Don't give up. There is a way. And the way is that you, you renew your mind so that you begin to think differently and you begin to allow him to heal your soul because every time we have one of those areas in our lives where we've, we've messed up repeatedly, that's a place. It's like an occupied territory that the enemy has. Just like in the promised land. I mean, they were entrenched. They had fortified cities. Some of them had giants. There were seven nations that the Bible talks about. You know, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Gergesites, the blah, 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 all those ites. Anyway, there were seven of them. And there were probably a bunch more minor tribes, Amorites. So there were a bunch of them. And all of them, they were entrenched. I mean, they had cities. They weren't just going to walk out because God's people showed up and said, we're taking this. Bye. They had to go in there and actually fight them. They had to go in there and actually defeat them. These things are written for an example. Yeah. I mean, this is not just some great story. Yeah. This is so we can learn. This is how our lives work. This is how it works in the spiritual realm. So he said, I can do it just like I did it for, for you before, just like I delivered you at the Red Sea, just like I delivered you out of Egypt in the first place, just like I fed you manna from heaven, just like I gave you water from the rock, just like I did all those things. I can still do it. So he says, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out, so shall the Lord your God do to all the people of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. Okay, there's a, there's a point I want to make there. Those who are left, they hide themselves from you. You understand, we all have things in our life that are concealed, they're hidden. We don't understand, we don't see it, we don't know why, but we've got areas in our lives that we have not conquered yet. I know I'm not the only one, and I don't want a bunch of amens necessarily, but I just want you to, you know, in your life, every one of you has an area, multiple areas, where you've not fully conquered. Maybe you get victory for a while and then, you know, they keep pulling you back in. You know, they're just coming after you. Those things come back. And when they come back, you give in to them. And then you go through that routine. You beg and pray and cry and repent and ask forgiveness. And I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. And then you do it again. Well, it's because the enemy has a stronghold in you. He has a place. It's like an occupied territory. And you have to kick him out. He's not just going to give it up and go away and say, okay, I, you know, I'll turn it over to you. Here's the keys. No. He, he wants to stay. 
And we have to kick him out. We have to make him leave. And you don't do that in your physical strength. It's not a physical battle where you literally are kicking him out. You do it through the authority and the power of God's word and the spirit of God. He has given us power and authority over all things. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he's told us how to do it. But we have to do it. And he said, go on, let's read some more. He says, you shall, more of the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God is among you. And he's still among us, isn't he? And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little. He even says, you can't do it all at once. And so for, for you guys that think when you come to the altar that it all happens at once, uh, just kind of consider what this is saying. Your salvation experience happens at once, but the, but the dealing with all that stuff. See, when the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they were free. But they didn't know how to live because they, were, they had been slaves for 400 years. And so they were free, but they were still slaves in their mind. Yeah, and all the things that happened to them, it just started pulling them right back into slavery. Who's going to feed us? Who's going to give us water? Who's going to take care of us? <laughs> they weren't used to doing stuff on their own because they had been slaves. They had a slave mentality. The Bible says that whoever you obey, that's whose slave you are. So if you obey sin, then you're a slave to sin. If you obey God, then you're a slave and a servant to him. But he's a good, he's a good master, isn't he? He's not one of those evil masters that, uh, that cracks the whip. He wants to pour out blessing and favor on you. So we have to get the right mindset. We have to, we have to understand who we are and who we're supposed to be. And if you, if you think that you got everything that you need spiritually in one little dose at the altar, uh, I just want to encourage you. It's all been provided Yes, but you didn't receive every bit of it in that moment. There are things that you didn't have a clue that you even needed to deal with. There are things that are in your life. There are entrenched, ensconced areas in you that you need to be set free. And the only way that's going to happen is if you do, just like the children of Israel, you go in there and you do battle, and you, you find all the places where the enemy is, and you root him out, and you get him out of there. And remember what he said, utterly destroy them. Your eye is not going to have pity on them. You're not going to be hanging with them. You're not going to make friends with them. You're not going to make covenants with them. You're not going to agree with them. Get them out of your life because they're just going to be a snare. That's what the Lord is saying to us is that those things in our life that have been there, maybe you were born that way. I'm sorry, but get it out of your life for crying out loud. Just because you got it there doesn't mean it's okay. I don't care how it got there. Get it out. You know, it might get there because you were born with it. Maybe it gets there because you were mistreated. Maybe it got there because of choices you made. Maybe it's there because of all those reasons. You know, I have a lot of things in my life that I'm dealing with. 
They got there because of all those reasons. Some of them I was born with. Some of them happened to me when I was a little boy. You know, I remember things that happened to me when I was little. You know, I mean, remember that one time, you know, that just little bitty thing came out and you know, I felt this slap. It's like, why did they slap me? I just came out of my mama. No, I don't remember that really. But, <laughs> but there's, there's, all kinds of, there's all kinds of things that happen to us that affect us. They put wounds in our soul. They, they affect us. There are places that the enemy can attach to. But we don't need to leave him attached. And you know what happened when the children of Israel went to the promised land? When they went there the first time, they listened to the wrong voices again. They still had that slave mentality, you know. They were there, ready to go in, but it's like, oh, there's giants. There's fortified cities. What are we going to do? How can we do it? They forgot about what God had told them, and they believed the lie. The same thing that Adam and Eve did in the first, Right? They believe the lie. It's the same thing that happens to us. The devil comes along and he starts whispering in your ear and telling you, you're a flop, you're a failure, you're not ever going to get healed of this disease, you're not ever going to get over this problem, you're always going to be like this. Loser. That's the way you're always going to be. Hey, I can testify. I believe the lie. And I, you know, 25 years, I sat on the sidelines because I believed the lie. But at one point, and, and that's the beauty of it, God never gives up. He just keeps coming, and He keeps coming, and He keeps coming. He sends people into your path that'll, that'll, that'll do something, tell you something, or, or show you something. People coming into your life that you don't even know. And God just keeps coming and keeps saying, let me heal you, let me forgive you, let me cleanse you, let me change you, let me restore you and redeem you. And one of those times, I wised up and it's like, I could have had a V8, you know, all right. And so I said, yes, I want to be healed, I want to be redeemed, I want to be restored. And God changed everything. And I started on this path, you know, who would have thought 35 years ago when I was, I didn't care anything about doing anything in ministry. I really didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I walked away from the Lord. I just didn't think I was called to be anything. I was just content to sit there like a bump, like, like uh, a lot of people do. But God didn't give up on me. He kept pursuing me until I finally said yes. So I, I am here. I am who I am today because of my failures and because of God's redemption. If it weren't for my failures, I wouldn't be able to talk to you about this stuff like I was, like I am. And if it weren't for God's redemption, I wouldn't even want to be talking about it because I wouldn't even know that I was in it. I was walking in blindness, just like Paul. You know, he, he thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting the church until those scales came off his eyes. And then he began to see into the spiritual realm and say, wow, you know, I got this all wrong. I haven't been seeing this right. So I'm going to finish reading this passage. Little by little, you'll be unable to destroy them all at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. And you shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. 
for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it, utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. In other words, don't keep on doing the same old stuff. Don't let stuff hang around. Get it out of your life. It says he will deliver their kings into your hand. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about, he says, when a demon is cast out, it goes and it finds, it, go, it goes into desert places and then it comes back to where it came from and it finds it all swept and clean. And it says, oh, I'll just go back in there. But he doesn't just come back in by himself. He says he brings seven more, more wicked and powerful than himself and brings them. And so, when Jesus was telling this story in Luke, he also, he says, no one goes to someone's house and just ransacks it and plunders it when there's an armed guard. But first, you get rid of the armed guard and then you can do that. We call them strong men. That's one of those Christianese things, you know, strong men. It's, a, it's the armed guard, you know, it's the person that's guarding. So in our lives, we all have strong men. We have strongholds, we have strong men, we have areas of our lives that are occupied, and they don't just go away because we say, go away. I mean, we have to cast them out. We, we take that authority and dominion, and, and we deal with it. So in this passage, it says he will deliver kings over to you, that's the strong men. These are written for our example. So we have authority over the strong men, the strongholds, all the occupied territories, all the things that we deal with. We have the ability to be healed, restored, and redeemed. We just need to follow the direction of the Lord, just like the children of Israel when they went to the promised land. And the first time they attempted, they chickened out. The second time, they went in and they went in with the right mindset because they knew that it was God that was going to win the battle for them. They knew they weren't just out there on their own. And then in Deuteronomy 8, it says, um, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. Go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. And then he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of those hills 
you can dig copper. And when you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. But beware that you do not forget the Lord by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, then you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and he might test you to do good in the end. And then you say in your heart, my power, my might have, my hand have gained me this wealth. It's amazing to me that God is, he's telling them all this right up front. He said, I've done all this for you. And I know you're still going to reject me. I know you're still going to make the same boneheaded mistakes that you've always made because you're people. You're humans. And that's what humans do. You're going to say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if you, by any means you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify, you, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Can I just say that there's, there's like this, this spiritual law. I think God, you know, he set everything in order. And when we, when we do the things that we're supposed to do, we experience his blessing and favor. And when we do the things we're not supposed to do, we're not walking in his blessing and favor anymore. And you're going to get what you get. And we don't want to see a fit. That's right. I don't, I really, I don't think God is out about punishing us. I don't think God is, is about doing all these bad things to us. I think the way it works is he just says, you know, you have a choice. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I've, I've laid it all out there. There's only one choice, just like Adam and Eve. Either eat the tree or don't eat the tree. You choose to eat the fruit, you're going to get what happens. Because when you, when you choose other than God, you put yourself in a position for bad things to happen to you. God wants to forgive our sin and cleanse us from that. But, you know, there, there are effects. There are consequences for sin. And when we sin, bad things happen in our life. Sorry, they just do. Ask Adam and Eve. You know, their lives changed pretty drastically. And you may not see how drastic it is in your life, but those same effects are happening. Because when we, when we choose to serve the devil, what, that's what you're doing. You know, I mean, you, there's only two people you can serve. It's either God or the devil. So every time you choose, if you rebel against God, you may not be consciously thinking, I'm serving the devil, but that's what you're doing. 
When you serve the devil, what does the devil want to do? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But God says, I came to give you life more abundantly. So, I don't want you to lose sight. All these things that we're talking about, these areas in our souls that we need to be healed of, they're there, and we need to recognize them when we need to deal with them. But we're not alone. We don't have uh, no hope. We have hope. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he said, we, we trust in God who raises the dead. He delivered us from a great death, and he, he still delivers us, and he will yet deliver us. So this is an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing where you just say one prayer and you're good for the rest of your life. This is a process. He has delivered us out of Egypt. He delivered us when we were at the Red Sea. And he is going to deliver us when we get to the promised land. I mean, it's an ongoing process. God is with us all the way. He's not leaving us to our own. He's with us and he's there to show his power. And his right arm of power is there for us all the time. But we have to, we have to say yes to him. Yes to his plan. It's not by our power or our might, but it is by the Spirit, and it happens through grace and faith. It's the same way it's always happened. He offered it, and we receive it. It's not rocket science. I'm going to read one last passage, and the worship team can come on back up. <clears throat> In Romans 7, Paul says, But now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I'm sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that... I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil... That I will not to do that, I practice. It's a real dilemma, isn't it? Now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. So we got, we got that sinful nature that's in us. It's all those things, those occupied territories in our lives. And they're causing us to, to want to go back and do the same old things that we always have done. But God is saying, I want to deliver you. I want to heal you. I made a way. 
And the way is through Jesus. In Colossians 2, it says, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In it, in the cross. The cross is where he did it. He wiped out all those, those ordinances and commandments that were against us, all those law that were saying, you're worthy of death. And he's wiped all that out and said, now I'm giving you life instead. How about that? Good trade, right? Amen. So you turn in all your sin and you get life. Instead of getting death, you get life. It's a bargain. Everybody ought to want that. David Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxiety. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I'm just, I just want to encourage you. We've all got hanger owners in our lives. You know, we've got things going on that, that they've been there, they haven't gone away, and I don't care how many times you've prayed or what you've done. We've all got areas that need to be healed and redeemed and restored. And it's okay. You're, you're just like everybody else. That doesn't make you a freak. It doesn't make you a loser. It doesn't make you unsaved. It just makes you a human being. But God is saying, I have a plan for you. It's a good plan. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I don't want you to be broken forever. I want you to be healed. And just like David, he said, Lord, I'm, I'm looking inside. I'm asking you to show me. Test me. Try me. Show me. Search my heart. Find all the wicked ways in me and help me root them out. That's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to root them out of us. I'm tired of being the same old me. I want to be changed. I want to be made new. So... We're going to participate in communion this morning, so I want to encourage you as we, uh, as we sing this first song, come and get the, the elements, take them back with you, and uh, we'll all partake together. We have open communion here. If you're not a member, it's okay. As long as you've given your life to Jesus, we're all going to partake together. And so these are these prepackaged deals. It's got a, a separate deal up on top that has the wafer and then a separate top on the juice and so you know try not to you know throw them everywhere <laughs> just kind of be careful working it you can get it it might take you a minute so but as we get ready to partake of this I want to encourage you just be thinking about it as we sing this song worship let God speak to you let God speak to you let him let him begin to tell you areas in your life where like Sherry said earlier that some chains need to drop off some chains need to fall off of us multiple areas in our lives and you you can get a hacksaw and work on it but you're going to be hacking for the rest of your life but in the spiritual realm they can fall off just like that when, when you respond to the Lord so the first thing about us is that we have to know what it is if you can't see it you're not going to get delivered from it most likely we have, that's why we have to be asking the Lord to show us so that we can see the things that we need to be healed of if you don't know you got a disease, you don't know what, uh, what to do about it. But once you know you got a disease, then you can start taking treatment, right? 
That's the same way it is spiritually. When we see the things in our lives that need to be healed, we can deal with them. And we're going to be talking about that more and more in the next few weeks. But let's stand and worship. The children of Israel were getting ready to leave Egypt. God instituted the Passover, which was uh, it's a pretty cool thing because the, he said 
You're going to take a lamb and you're going to slaughter it. You're going to paint the blood of that lamb over your doorpost. And everyone that's inside that place is going to be delivered from the death angel that passes through and kills the firstborn. And he said, I'm going to see the blood and I'm going to pass over you. When Jesus was talking to his disciples right before the crucifixion, he said, I've earnestly desired to have this, this Passover meal with you. And he explained it to him. He said, look, everything's transitioning now from the old to the new. I'm going to be that, that perfect spotless lamb. And it's going to be my blood that God is going to see. And it's going to be my blood causes him to pass over you and, and heal you and deliver you and save you from my body and my blood. And he said, so this bread is my body. It's broken for you. And it says he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to him and he said, partake of this because this is my body represents the new covenant. So for all of our issues in life, we receive your provision in the new covenant, Lord. We say yes to you, and we break and we protect together in Jesus' name. In the same manner, it says he took the cup, he blessed it, and he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. All things are cleansed by the blood. It might seem kind of weird, but, but that's how we get spiritually cleansed and washed. It's the blood of the Lamb. And that blood has power, power to heal, power to change us, power to, to bring life to us. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And so, Lord, today... We ask that you bring life into us, Lord, through your blood. Bring new life into us. Raise us up to newness of life, Lord. All those areas that the enemy has, has occupied, we cast you out in Jesus' name. We just say we are taking control. We are giving that back over to you, Lord. We are entering into that promised land, and we are casting out all the inhabitants. Every occupant is going to go in Jesus' name. We are loosed, raised up newness of life thank you jesus and it's in your blood lord and we partake of your blood now together in jesus name
Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you are unchangeable. Nothing ever changes about you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's in you that we put our trust, Lord. It's in you that we trust for our healing. It's in you that we trust for our deliverance. It's in you that we trust for our salvation, our redemption, our restoration. It's in you, Lord, that we trust for our finances and for our relationships, our jobs and our our families and our homes and all the things in our lives. Lord, we worry and we stress over these things, but we put our trust in you, Lord. It's in you. It's in you. It's all in you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Don't forget we have the prayer meeting tonight at 7. And we got intercessory prayer. We got uh, all-stars going on tomorrow and all kinds of things. So have a great day. God bless you. Camp Hope. There you go. I knew it was something.